Who here knows the story of the three wise men? That is so cool. Okay, now Sam is going to put a picture up on the screen. And I want you guys to come over here. Let's look at this one. Come on, everybody come. Come somewhere where you can see the picture. Okay? Now, we're going to play a little game, all right? Can you see anything wrong with this picture? This is a really tough one because I didn't know this. And it's not necessarily wrong, but that really makes it confusing for everyone. But it could be wrong, okay? Now, we can look at this picture and see those three guys on the right-hand side. Who are they? The three wise men, right. And did you know that the wise men weren't actually at the stable the night that Jesus was born. Ryan, you knew that. That's great. Yeah, they were actually not there at the stable. Okay, They came months later, and they came to a house, the, the Bible says, in Matthew chapter 2. They didn't come to a stable, but they came to a house. And, you know... Um, I, I really uh, didn't know this until I was studying for today's lesson. And do you know why we always have three wise men in our picture? It doesn't really say how many there were. Did you know that? There could have been two. There could have been 11. We don't know. It just says that wise men came from the east. And they we're coming there to praise the new king, okay? Now, what were the three gifts that they brought? Gold. Wow, you guys are smart. That is really good. You know what myrrh is? Kind of sounds like something a cow would like, right? Myrrh. No? No, that's silly. Okay. Hey, yes. You're right. It's like it comes from a tree, and they used it for preparing a body when someone passed away. So you're right. That's awesome. Hey, you know, what kind of gifts can we bring to Jesus? Hmm? Umber? Okay, well, we can bring some umber. <laughs> What about our time? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you think about this. You could be, you guys could be doing something else right now. You could be home watching TV or whatever. You could be outside. No, probably not outside today. Huh? <laughs> no, we're not going to do that today. Yes. Praying to him, that is, that is giving glory to God, isn't it? That is awesome. Your, your talents, you guys are all talented, I'm sure. And we can give our talents to God. And of course, we give our money to God when we take up the offering later on. 
You know how when the men come and pass the plates around? We give a little bit of what we have to God. Because we, you know what? He gives us everything. So let's pray to him right now, okay? Father God, thank you for these little ones. Bless them and keep them. And thank you for being the loving God that you are. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I have some... Uh, oh, Miss Nicole has some things for you, too. Please do. Our New Testament lesson for this morning comes from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And if you want to turn to your pew Bibles, if you would like, it is page 738. Again, Matthew 2, 1 through 12. The Visit of the Magi. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them exactly the time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Let us pray. Holy One, giver of all light, Lift up our hearts and minds to Christ. Reveal to us your saving word. And lead us to offer our lives to you in service and in love through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You may want to keep your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 2. We will be going 
back to it several times. Again, as Mark said, it is on page 738. I think back to my days working at Cranex, and I have to tell you, <coughs> not to brag or anything, but I was somewhat of an authority on nativity sets, especially the ones that you put outside. Some of them were sold in sets. You had your three-piece set, your four-piece set, or the granddaddy of them all, the 12-piece set. And I think the manufacturers had collectors in mind when they offered them in these, sim these smaller sets. Picture this. Mrs. Smith comes into the store with one purchase in mind. This would be to purchase the Mary, Joseph, and Baby Jesus set of three. She's a beginner at this, and she wants to start on the ground floor. She makes her purchase, and before she leaves the checkout, she asks, do the wise men set of three ever go on sale? And I reply, well, the day after Christmas, they'll be 25% off. Well, most of you locals can guess what she says. The day after Christmas, are you nuts? I'm not coming anywhere near this place. It's going to be a zoo. But deep down, we know she'll be back. She wants to compete with Mr. Jones across the street. He has amassed a collection that would put the 12-piece set to shame. And rumor has it that next year, he's going to rent a lift truck to put a star up in the tree. You know, I love everything about Christmas, and I love the Christmas cards that we send each other, depicting the scenes of the nativity so beautifully. Some of them show the scene that the apostle Luke writes about in Luke chapter 2. And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, unlike Luke, Matthew does not include details of angels, the stable, the manger, or donkeys. But he does give us the beautiful story of the Magi. We have two gospel writers that tell us very different stories about the birth of Jesus. Luke's account is filled with details. And Matthew is a writer with a plan. Matthew wants to show us that a king has been born. 
just as the prophets had foretold. Both stories we cherish in our Christmas imaginations. I personally love to see the wise men there with the shepherds and all just worshiping Jesus. I think it is very important to get some background information here before we dive into Matthew's chapter two. We know that Matthew is a Jewish Christian who was writing to other Jews. See, he gave up his old life as a tax collector and his life was completely transformed by Jesus. And he wanted more than anything, anything else to let other Jews know about this man Jesus, the Messiah that saved his life. Matthew was a devout and educated Christian there's a chance he could have been a scribe or perhaps a con converted rabbi. So in order to get this intended message across to his intended audience, the, the other Jews, he knew that this message had to begin with something that would grab their attention. So he starts his gospel with a genealogy that links Jesus back to King David. He knew that the Jews had been waiting for this king that would rule their land and return them back to a people of prominence, a kingdom of power. This Messiah would come from the line of King David just as it had been foretold. Listen to Matthew chapter one, verse one. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Matthew is saying, look, the long-awaited king of all of these other kings listed here, he's here. And so it was written by Matthew. On to chapter 2. And I'm going to focus mostly on verses 1 and 2 and verses 9 through 11. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Let's stop right there. We can surmise several things here. One is the time period. This was after Jesus was born, perhaps months after, and during the rule of Herod the Great. Next, we know the place. The Magi were not at a stable, but in Jerusalem asking, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? Next, we know for a fact that they come from where? We know this for a fact. The East, that's all we know. <laughs> 
Not much to go on there, is there? Uh, most historians believe that they came from Persia or what is now modern-day Iran. And this makes sense because of what is written about the Magi, or Magos in Greek. I read a lot about these men, and I loved how Pastor Alistair Begg described them. He called them scientific theologians, or, if you like, theological scientists. Most believe that they were from a long lineage of tribal priests. They were not kings. They have been described as more like king makers rather than kings themselves. During the Medo-Persian Empire, the Magas were the ones consulted as to who should be the king. It, is, it has been written that no one became king unless the Magi approved. They possessed great political power. They were called upon to interpret dreams and they were very deep thinkers, full of wisdom, thoughtful, rational. Begg calls them sincere individuals trying to think things out. We do the same, don't we? Try to think things out. We also have so many questions. The Magi most likely were astronomers that had a keen interest in the cosmos. They studied the movement of fiery spheres in the sky and how perhaps they govern things here on earth. It is no wonder they describe the star in verse 2 as his star. The Magi could be described much like Sir Isaac Newton was. And Newton was quoted saying, this most beautiful system of sun and planets and comets could only proceed from the counsel and dominion of an intelligent, powerful being. This being governs all things, not as a soul of the world, but as Lord over all. And on account of his dominion, he is wont to be called Lord God. Here was one of the most influential scholars in the history of science. And these magi, like Newton, could not help but follow stars, or in this case, his star. It has been written about Newton that he spent more time on theology than he did on science. The psalmist writes, the heavens declare the glory of God. What a wonderful truth this is, isn't it? Looking up into the clear night sky has this same effect on us, doesn't it? I don't have any outside lights at my house. I just have the little house light on the, the wall there, and it doesn't really cast a whole lot of light. What I like to do is I shut that off, and I go out on my porch and just look at the sky. 
There's no street lights around. The neighbors are like half a mile on either side of me. And, you know, I just stare up at the sky and it causes me to worship him. Does that have some meaning to all of you? I'm sure you've all been there. The Magi, they asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. This question, where is the one born king of the Jews, has been written about many times by many scholars. How did the Magi know about Christ? How is this possible? Most of the answers to this question, question can be found in the book of Daniel. As believers, we know that all things are possible with God. We also know that God favored Daniel, and Daniel was, was a righteous man who was faithful to God. Even though he lived in a foreign land, he remained faithful even when he was thrown in a lion's den. Going back to the exile of Judah to Babylon, we know that the Israelites were held in captivity for 70 years until the king let them go back to Jerusalem and rebuild their city and their temple. Some went back, but some stayed. Daniel was one of the ones that stayed. Excuse me. The Babylonians first see firsthand that this man has power like none other in their kingdom. He is a prophet and he has this relationship with his God of Israel that allows him to interpret the dreams of King Nebuchadnezzar. He is promoted to a position above these highly regarded magi by Nebuchadnezzar, and we can surmise that these magi, for many generations later, still know about this man, Daniel, who exposed them to the teachings and the prophecy of his God, the one true God. These magi, full of wisdom, seeking truth, perhaps knew this foreign prophecy of Isaiah, they perhaps knew it by heart. Isaiah chapter 9. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and up upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish.
perhaps the Magi's ears perked up when they heard that a child will be born and he will be king forevermore. When God placed Daniel in this moment in history with these Magi, he planted a seed there. It is mind-blowing. Fast forward some 500 years. A star appears, his star, and Magi are compelled to follow. They remembered this great man Daniel from their history and what he taught his, about his God, the God of Israel. Driven by this compulsion, the Magi leave their homes, their wives, to follow this star and find the king of Israel, king of the Jews. Where is he? We don't know what was in their hearts. We can be 100% sure of this. Almighty God had his hand in all of this. God sent his son to Bethlehem just as the prophets said he would. The Magi, these Gentiles from hundreds of miles away, took notice. They followed the star to Jerusalem, the place where surely, surely everyone is going to know about this child, right? They arrive there and begin to ask around, do you know where I can find the king of the Jews? Do you know where he is? No one knows. The Magi must have been shocked at the, at the indifference of the Jews. Herod gets wind of this. Hey, there's these foreigners and they're, uh, they're asking around. Uh, they got these fancy clothes on and they're asking where the king of the Jews is. What should I do? Well, Matthew writes that Herod heard this and he was disturbed or distressed. Herod asked the chief priests and the teachers of the law where this Messiah was to be born. I imagine one of these high-ranking priests speaking up. Well, let's see. The prophet Micah says that he will be born in Bethlehem, about six miles down the road. Matthew indicates that Herod summons these magi secretly to his palace and tells them that he will be born in Bethlehem. But he asks, when was it that you saw this star? Oh, okay, well, let me know what you find out. I want to go there and worship him too. We know this story. Herod was an evil man. He wanted to eliminate this child. Verse 9, after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. Worshipped in the Greek is proskunio. 
to fall on your knees, to kiss the feet, to plant your face on the ground. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is how they worshipped him. They, they planted their faces in the ground. They saw the Son of God. Lord, we long to worship you like this. To shed all our inhibitions and give you the worship that you deserve. You alone are worthy, holy God. It is your light, your word that leads us to your son. Help us, Lord God, to listen for your voice. To put aside everything that distracts us in this world and just be still.